Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Candlewick Press, who helped make today's conversation possible, including their upcoming books, Smell My Foot by C.C. Bell, The Princess in Black series by Shannon and Dean Hale, illustrated by Wynne Pham, and For Beverly Right Here by Katie Camillo. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 518. Today I'm bringing you a conversation live from the American Library Association's annual conference, recorded in front of a packed house early on a Saturday morning as the exhibit hall was just opening. And joining me on stage is Cece Bell, Katie Camillo, and Shannon Hale. We're about to make introductions. Come listen. to go. We're all waving. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Pop Top stage. Welcome to the Children's Book Podcast. Uh, I'll be your host today, Matthew Winner. I'm a school librarian outside of Baltimore, Maryland, and um, I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to talk to three of my friends and um, to talk about three wonderful books. So we will circle around the books. We will talk a little bit of life, and time is going to run out too fast, but uh, we would love to connect with you afterward as well. So, I'm going to make some introductions, and then I'll have you all say hi as well, okay? All right. Great. So uh, let's start with my friend Cece Bell. Uh, Cece, uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Cece has written a number of really hilariously funny books, but the one that's the book of my heart is El Defo, yes. which was recognized by the Newberry Committee. Uh, a beautiful graphic memoir that uh, really is, is suited for nothing else than to be a graphic novel. It's a true testament to graphic novels. Um, Cece is just also a wonderful human being, so I hope you all get the chance to have a little bit of that rub off on you, and I hope that you let her smell your feet. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> is there anything else you want to share about yourself, Cece? Oh, um, Kate de Camilla's feet smell really good. <laughs> I smelled them last night. Waiting for it. I, I'd like to share that. <laughs> I, I, would, I like talking about other people more than I like talking about myself. Oh, yeah. oh, you and I uh, are like. Um, well, we're just have to. Shannon's good at talking about herself, though. So we'll. Like, I got. How much time do we we're, have? We've saved a little time. We'll get to you now. So, um, aside from Kate's great smelling feet, you may also know her from some of her great books. Which you're be right because they're Candlewick. Might I add, also smell really great. Have any right. of you yeah, that's true. buried your nose in a Candlewick book? Yeah. I can't be the first one to tell you this, am I not? All right, well, 
Now you have a thing to do, a weird connection thing that we have. Um, Kate has written many, many beautiful books, uh, including The Tale of Despero, which was a book that my wife and I read aloud to each other and that I continue to tell students, stories are light, find your light in our library. Um, Kate and I have, have had a number of connections um, most recently for Ramey Nightingale. And today what brings us together is a third book from a third friend, Beverly. So I hope that you all have a chance to read this one soon. Um, Kate, thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Any other fun things about you we should know? Um, other than nice smelling feet? Yeah, and I and I mean, we, we, we had uh, dinner last night and so it was not my idea to smell feet, but it was Cece's idea to smell feet. And, um, and I smelled her feet. So that's what I think you should know about me. Yeah, and they were all right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Shannon, before we start, can I just ask, is there any mold in the room? Any what? <laughs> mold. Oh, I have, I'm really good at smelling mold. Shannon has a, <laughs> a superpower so for it. I can go over to people's but houses people don't and, like, appreciate you it when check you, yeah. your bathroom, yeah. and they can't smell it, but I can. Yeah. So That's awesome. If you want me to check your feet for mold... Old Betsy It's here. like El, El Moldo. Betsy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so welcome, Betsy and Shannon. Um, Shannon was recognized from the Newberry Committee for her Princess Academy books, but uh, I've absolutely, my children also have absolutely fallen in love with your Princess in Black series, uh, a series that breaks the mold in so many different ways and is also beautifully illustrated by Lewin Pham. Yes. Uh, you have done a lot of work with, with Wynn, including the Real Friends graphic novel that we'll see a sequel soon as well with Best Friends. Yes, in August. Is she here? Wynn is on her way. Wynn's on her way. No we'll look forward to seeing her. No one is better than Lay Fam. But I, I have to say, Cece and I have been talking about, keep your eye on this one. What? We really think Kate DiCamillo has a big career ahead of her. <laughs> right. All morning, Shannon's been saying congratulations on your debut novel. And also, maybe, it's I've exciting. got an idea. Why don't you put a, a dog on the cover of a book? That might help you. Yeah, yeah a yeah, dog. Yeah. 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 Or just or, a dead So I'm just dog. getting tips. Just right. A, just a dead dog. We said that that would really sell. Let's get right to the point. As right? a sophomore release, it's a very hard thing it's to hard, follow up a debut. Guys. It's really hard, but she's going she's gonna to do okay. Can I not sit next to her? Yeah. <laughs> Can I move down we're, here? We're out of yeah. chairs. I'm so, yeah. I'm so sorry we're out of chairs. I apologize. <laughs> well, be, before we get into themes and yeah. journeys and information like that, I thought I would acquaint, acquaint you uh, with the new Candlewick books that, that we're celebrating here. And I want to give each of you a chance to talk about them as well. But the reason why we do keep talking about feet is because Cece's new uh, graphic novel chapter <laughs> novel. book... Right? <laughs> what? Novel. No, yeah. Her novel story about <laughs> foot smelling and yeah. manners is <laughs> called Smell My Foot. It's a chick and brain story. And it, um, it, it centers on a, on a persistent chick who really is concerned about manners mm-hmm. and language mm-hmm. and um, telling chick's friend that he's not very smart right. until um, a, a dog comes to be a big fan of Chick and Brain sees something that, that Chick does not. Did I serve that well? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, and this book really came from, you know, the depths of my soul, S-O-L-E, right? And so um, it's, it's just kind of a, um, it's, using the word novel for it really cracks me up because, it's, you know, it's just, it's just a fun 
Um, the fun, I was trying to be funny, and the whole reason that I want to write books, and this oh, definitely fits in this category too, is I like to make people laugh. It's my only goal, and you know, if you've read Old Defo, it's filled with funny stuff. And, you know, your teacher using the bathroom and all that good stuff. <laughs> so, um, I mean, my potty humor is off the charts, and I'm <laughs> only allowed to do so much of that. So, um, so feet is acceptable. And uh, but anyway, it's sort of a um, a take. The way I learned how to read was the Dick and Jane books, and. I really like the awkwardness of the language in Dick and Jane. It's very stilted and repetitious. And so I wanted to capture that, but make it funny. And so that's kind of how the book came to be. I still want my books to somehow make some kind of difference. So the goal here was I really did want to help kids learn how to read. Normally, I don't think about that. I just write whatever I feel like. But this time, it was like, I'm going to focus on this. So, but it still had to be funny. So that's where the book kind of came from. Yes. Lovely. Can I read an excerpt? Oh, I'll read my friend to start. I'm going to read yeah, you a yeah. comic. Please do. Hello, brain. Yeah, I know I am brain. No, 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 brain, no. I say hello, brain, and then you say hello, chick. Like this. Hello, chick. My name is not chick. <laughs> brain, you look very smart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you're not very smart. Oh, yeah? Smell my foot. <laughs> and we continue from there. Um, that's, <laughs> that's sort of Abbott and Costello yeah, play on words. Yeah. It's really fun, though. It's yeah. fun, and um, there's like repetition, like when, um, when Brain is trying to convince Chuck to smell his foot, there's a line that goes, my foot smells good. My foot smells great. And that repetition of saying, you know, my foot smells twice is really funny to me. And that's what makes the Dick and Jane books work. And that's how we learn to read is, you know, repetition. that repetition over and over. But why not use it to be super silly? And um, so that's where, that's where that came from. Oh, yeah. So. Wow, your foot smells good. Your foot smells great. Yeah, I know. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Exactly. No manners. <laughs> okay. Kate, Kate's new book is... Beverly right here. It's not funny. Yeah, it's not it's, funny. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah um, <laughs> it, it, It's if you've read Ramey Nightingale, you've met Louisiana. You've met Beverly um, Yeah, Beverly Beverly um, Is running away Beverly needs to find home. It's a search for home story um, Beverly looks for work Beverly looks looks for what home is in this story. That's fair to say um, there's a lot of really devastating moments that are really beautiful um, moments of vulnerability in this story. Um, this is a book where, I, to isolate all of you, sorry, this is a book where I felt like you really saw me when I read Raimi. Huh. Um, I really connected with Beverly because I felt like that's, I know that story, I know, huh. I know that feeling. And um, to lean into the feeling of not knowing where home is and not being willing to accept the kindness of others at face value yeah. um, makes Beverly a really compelling character for me. Yeah. Oh, well, we don't have to, let's just let me not mess up what you just said. So we'll just go to Shannon. That's beautiful, thank you. Okay, and now Shannon Hale. So, yeah, I mean, what do you, I mean, I can't, 
I can't say anything better than what you said. And it's always that thing where, um, and I mean, we talked about this, is like you never know what a book is about until it goes out and, and, and people uh, start reading it. And um, so, and listening to Matthew talk about it, I will now get some key talking points for when I go out <laughs> and talk about it. Yeah. I, I, I want to read with all of you. Um, right from the very beginning, when, when Beverly is just leaving and she um, enters a phone booth. Do you need her? Yeah. She enters a um, phone booth to call her mom. Okay? This is, this is what this child is uh, confronting. Um, her dog, Buddy, has died. And it says, um, Buddy, who was a dog, who had been a dog, Buddy, who was dead. She, meaning Beverly, went up to the phone booth and pushed on the door and went inside. It felt like stepping into a tall, narrow oven. Beverly pulled the door shut. Her mother answered on the first ring. She didn't sound too drunk. It's me, said Beverly. Where are you? Said her mother. It doesn't matter, said Beverly. She heard a snick of a lighter. She heard her mother inhale. I just wanted to let you know that I'm okay, said Beverly. You're okay? That's what you called to tell me, that you're okay? Yeah. Whoop-dee-doo, said her mother. You're okay. Beverly leaned her head against the glass of the phone booth. I got a job, she said. Anyone can get a job, said her mother. I've had a job my whole life, and you can see how much good it's done me. Where are you? Beverly said nothing. Fine, said her mother. Don't tell me. I just wanted to let you know that I'm okay, said Beverly. She hung up the phone. It's not Thank funny. You. Yeah, no. It's beautiful, though. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving Beverly room. Oh. We'll talk more about her later. Shannon. Shannon. Shannon, I have um, 40 minutes left. Is that okay? Is that, that's good, right? 40? Cool. <laughs> Shannon said, so we've got 50 minutes, and Shannon said, that'll be 45 for me. So whatever you want to do with the other five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the most recent release in the Princess in Black series is book six. Science Fair Scare. Book seven is due, is coming out due December. In December. About a bath, right? The bath time battle. Bath time battle. And my children assure me it's the funniest one. Oh, oh congratulations. And they don't butter our ego. They're more likely to say that's stupid than it is. <laughs> so they were actively laughing. Laywin Fam's illustrations in it are hilarious. Yeah, for those that are not aware of the princess in black, Princess Magnolia, uh, she has an alter ego where she's a princess by day or by sometimes, and the princess in black by other times, fighting monsters and saving the kingdom. And just being an awesome kid and an awesome friend, in this newest installment, we have a science fair, and all of the other princesses of the kingdom, it's an uh, inter-kingdom science fair, and everyone else is, is coming to compete, and all of her friends have all of these great um, projects that they've worked on. She's doing a, a, a project on seed growth. And uh, we come to Tommy, who has a volcano, classic, a volcano. But um, Tommy's volcano appears to be talking. Um, and so if I could read to you, it, it goes, um, oh, so, so Tommy has mixed vinegar, which we know, and baking soda, which we know. But Tommy also threw in some monster hair, which is not, which, is, which is, does not go in volcanoes. Um, and we start, um, 
I should say that there's, there's a princess in blankets as well. I could read you the entire story if you'd like, but then I'd be taking up Shannon's four minute, 40 minutes, and I <laughs> really want to leave a good impression with her. Um, Get out of my volcano, Tommy yelled from a safe spot behind a table. No, said the goo monster inside the volcano. It growled, it grew, it growled and grew. The volcano can't erupt with you in there, said the princess in black. Also, you're squished, said the princess in blankets. Find a bigger home. No, said the goo monster. <laughs> Just then the pressure from the baking soda and vinegar did erupt. It erupted the monster right out. Everybody screamed, eat science fair, said the goo monster. You may not eat the science fair, <laughs> said the princess in black. The goo monster tried anyway, but it only ate one thing, Princess Magnolia's poster. I should say that on the, um, after the epic battle ensues, that the monster, I love that you called it, the, the monster goes on to try to eat the girl's hair, and you refer to it as, like, fur, head fur, head fur. Yeah. Head fur. <laughs> I was like, that's uh, from now on what I will always call hair is head fur. Your head fur is a little messed up I, this morning. That was, that was Dean's line. That was, i got to give him credit. <laughs> well done, Dean. Anything else about Princess in Black you want to share with us? I do want to share with you something about Cece's book, which is when you go to third grade classes, the, you know what they're going to ask you. The first thing is, are you going to write a sequel called Smell My Butt? No! Ah! <laughs> you know, right. And I know Cece you will know. say, finally! Yeah, I'm not that horrible. All of the jokes are <laughs> going. She is married to a man who wrote a book called Poop Fountain. So oh, that's true. And you know, Tom is so, if you ever meet Tom, he's so like moral and he's a prude. <laughs> and he's very, he's very straight-laced. And that he has made a living writing these books. I mean, I mean, I, I when we got met, when we first met, he was just like he was appalled at everything that came out of my mouth. <laughs> and then I, I eventually and then he showed him down, the yeah. other side and the other way to live. And so he's benefited. He's making his money off of me um, and my power. But um, <laughs> my power. Anyway, I mean, I hope. If, if you haven't met him, you get a chance to meet him. He's awesome and he's a lot of fun, but he's also very, you know, you know, don't say that. <laughs> you know. That yeah. is so surprising it to is. me. It is. We once did a talent show at BEA and he juggled and he stole the show by juggling two balls with one hand while autographing a book with the other. <laughs> it was classic. Yeah, yeah, this fun. is Tom Engelberger for those that need clarification. The I love origami when he, Yoda. Say, when he comes out in his life-size origami yes. java and things like that is my favorite. He is great. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things about this book, this is number six, uh, about a science fair is when we would go tour um, with my husband Dean and Leywin Pham, we would do science experiments with the kids. And I, I wish now we'd brought the stuff. There's my husband, Dean. He's, he's got oh, a beard the side of his head. His <laughs> <laughs> the person next to him went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yuri, yes, cosplaying, cosplaying as the big boo yeah. monster. Yeah, he is alarming. <laughs> Believe me, I know. Um, but uh, there's a, one of the experiments in here is the egg in the bottle, and we would do it for kids. And what was so great about traveling with Dean is we would let him do the gross part, which is we'd use air pressure to get a hard-boiled egg into a bottle, but then we also used air pressure to get it out. So once we you know, lit the fire to get it in, the way you get it out is to blow really hard into the bottle, and the air, that increases the air pressure in, and it pushes the egg out. But you're blowing, so it pushes the egg out 
into your mouth. Uh-huh. And this is a hard-boiled egg <laughs> that, first of all, is now covered with ash. But also, you know, when you're on tour, you get the, the eggs in the morning from your hotel. And, off, and we do our last thing at a bookstore at 7 p.m. And so oh, some of these oh. eggs had been out of the fridge for 12 hours. He took it. He took it for the team. He took it like a champ. Way to go. He did but it he for did, science. You didn't eat it, Dean. You didn't eat it, did you? No. They did. <laughs> one, oh. one time, at one particular school, it was eerie because uh, he got into his mouth and immediately, in unison... Like 300 third graders were chanting, eat it, eat it. <laughs> and we were like, and he was like, well, I, you know, I have to now. I, I can't let the kids down. <laughs> you're still, that's the weird thing, you know, you get, you're 45, but you're still subject to peer pressure. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I have to. If I'm going to sign their books, and they're going to like, sorry, I didn't eat the egg. Sorry, I didn't eat the egg. Sorry, I didn't eat the egg. <laughs> It's all for the children. It is. It's so sweet. Um, I want to talk to you about, about writing, about the children that you see when you write. Because I feel like, in a sense, we're all, writers are often expressing, expressing that feeling for their, their own childhood self, sometimes. Or for children that they can see in front of them, sometimes. Cece, can you tell us a little bit about the the child that you see as you're writing your books, the person you think of? Oh, um, it's kind of selfish. I just think of myself. (laughs) Um, um, I really, to be honest, don't often think about kids when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I do, but it's a very vague thing. I mean, I'm just focused on, uh, I guess the person I'm seeing is actually Tom because He's often the first person that will read my books, and if he thinks it's funny, and he's a very tough, tough critic about whether or not something is funny, if he thinks it's funny, then it's funny. And so I kind of think about him, but, um, but there's nothing better than to find out after the book is out, and some kids have read it, when you find out that they did laugh, and they did connect to you, Mm. It's, it's, the, it's the best feeling in the world. So, I mean, it is for them, mm-hmm. but I'm making sure that it's what I want to be writing because if it's, if it's what you want to be writing, then it's going to be, I mean, Smell My Foot isn't necessarily authentic, but, you know, I mean, it came from, it was something I wanted to, to do, and, you know. I think that yeah. trusting that instinct and just how well you seem to know children. I mean, our children have played together. I, I I know that you really see children. So the fact that you express just love that way, you express story that way, yeah. doesn't surprise me that you, you trust your own intuition and that it, it, it resonates with children just as it does when you see them in real life. Right, yeah. yeah. And I probably, I was never a proper teenager. You know, I, I, was never I think a proper what happened teenager. to me, it feels like, so I was like, you know, a kid. And then when I was four, I lost my hearing. And it's just kind of, I was sort of stuck in a way, but I also grew up really fast. Mm-hmm. So I sort of skipped that whole, I try to read YA fiction, I really do. And it's just like, who are these people? <laughs> you know, I don't see myself there. And I think I, I've never forgotten what it felt like 
to be a kid because when you have something sort of traumatic happen to you, your memories sort of, you know, I've never forgotten that. And I also have never forgotten that the children's books that I liked the least as a kid were the ones that were written for grandparents to buy. You know, the ones that were from the adult point of view, telling the kid, you know, this is how you should be feeling. I wanted it to always be, you know, mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is a genuine kid experience that will connect to them in some way. So, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say I'm still a kid, <laughs> very <Yeah>. much, <laughs> um, but hopefully a semi-responsible Semi-responsible. <laughs> Semi I appreciate yeah. that you appreciate fart jokes. I feel like that really keeps yeah. us on the level. <laughs> Kate, could you talk about the readers that you see when you write, or maybe if it was so interesting to, to listen to Cece yeah. say that because it again it helped me clarify some. I mean, and I, we talk about that all the time when we go out, and and um, and I generally say, oh, I'm I'm listening to the story. And I let that, you know, that that's, the story is smarter than I am. The story knows what it, what it wants. And my job is to get out of the way and listen to the story. So I don't think about the reader. I think about being true to the story. But when you talk about, um, like, being at a certain age, I always think of, like, I, I'm, like, around 8 to 10. And, um, and generally, if I answer without thinking, I say, oh, yeah, it's for the 8-year-old in me. And I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, why, why is that? And, and uh, I think that the, so a, as you all know, it's just, like, my dad left when I was 6. And so that would be the traumatic thing. But at 8, I uh, learned to read, and I understood that this was how I could save myself, was through books. And so I think it's that kind of, that's why I keep on coming back to that 8-year-old, eight, eight is because it's like, oh, here I am. This is what Saving I can do. Yeah, yeah. Over. yeah. Shannon? Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so I think when I started out, I was writing to my younger self. Yeah. But I am very affected by my kids. So Princess in Black started, uh, the idea came from one of my daughters. She was four, and, and she was pointing to different colors on a butterfly skirt that she had. And she said, pink is a girl color, and purple's a girl color, and yellow's a girl color, but not black. And if any of you have seen me on Twitter, you might guess that I have an opinion <laughs> about colors being appropriated by gender. But uh, I was like, where does she get this? And I said to her, I wear black. And she was like, because I'm not a girl, I'm a mom. And, <laughs> and I said, uh, Batgirl wears black. And I thought that was the end of the discussion. But she said, princesses don't wear black. And I was like, aha. And at the time, I was writing you know, young adult and middle grade. And we could have taken that idea there. But we also had four kids over a spread of years, and it was so hard to find books. Um, first, that ease the transition between early reader and like Magic Treehouse chapter books. It's a big leap. Mm. And the only thing I could find was this 
this series, what was it called? This obscure author, um, Mercy Watson. It's about a pig? Oh. Have you heard Something of like that? I'm sitting here pig? listening to her going, yeah, that's true. That's a little bit. And then here it comes. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Kim Carmelo. I'm I think like, is the I'm name. totally taking her sincerely. And then she like <laughs> rolls right over <laughs> me. Never. Like, yeah. That's when I pull the rug on her. Yeah. So it, it, I really could not find anything comparable to Mercy Watson. And so that's, we decided to, I went through your books and I counted the words of every one. And I looked at how many pictures per page and I really wrote, Dean and I wrote those stories toward that. And almost every publisher we took it to either rejected it or said, no, there's no market for this kind of book. Kate DiCamillo is one thing. You can do whatever you want when you're Kate DiCamillo, (laughs) but... Who do you think you are, That Shannon one I saw, I, I saw coming because I saw your, the side of your face and I thought, here we go. She's going to... She, but, but, but it's like... And so then, I, this is really interesting. So then you, uh, you approached Candlewick yes. last? No, we sent it uh, simultaneously to a whole bunch. And, that's and Candlewick, there's Sarah Ketcher said, the brilliant, our brilliant editor who, who understood from the beginning. And now three and a half million copies later, she's like... Yes, I was right. <laughs> Beaches. I wanted to say something else, but I didn't. Sarah's very nice. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kennewick always got it. And, of course, Leywin Pham, as soon as she was on board. Um, but also, besides uh, having a book to help transition, um, we find these books are used, I bet you have too, for a lot of older readers who are learning a second, or learn English as a second yeah. language or for whatever reason have learning disabilities, just like graphic novels, it's the heavily illustrated books with the bigger font, but it's not an early reader, so they don't need to feel like it's talking down to them. Um, We use big crunchy words, but, um, and it's got a more complicated plot, and so they don't feel belittled by it, which is really awesome. So I'm finding it's hard, because you want people say it's for, you know, five to eight year olds, but I see it used from two to 18 year olds. Um, even like people reading in, into, um, you know, uh, I, I've seen in, in uh, facilities for people with Alzheimer's, for example. But anyway, um, that we also wanted a book that we could read to, to different age groups simultaneously. So we've got the younger kids on the couch who need, uh, you know, a faster and easy to grasp plot and pictures every page. As soon as you turn a page with no picture, they're out. And you've got the other older kids that need a more complicated story. So that's what led us to this, why, the way we did it. Format, uh-huh. yeah. It serves, it serves a, a wide range of readers really, really well. And I was trying to think, what was your question? Oh, because of our children. So children. I did, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I hear, and I, I think I hear a little bit of, of, of everyone in each. Wait, did she push did she, the button Is it still on, CC? No, you could still hear? Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. It's, good. Um, it's good. Thank you. That CC spoke about writing, writing for herself or writing for the story or writing for your kids and how throughout your career it's changed a little bit, it's shifted a little bit as it should and as stories change too. I wanted to talk to each of you watching our time about, about home. Because when I read these three books, not that we intentionally formed this panel to speak on a particular theme, but there is a theme, at least for me there's a theme. Um, so Sarah Dessen has this quote about home. I'm gonna read to all of you. I don't know if you've heard this quote. This is from a book she wrote called what happened to Goody. It says, home wasn't a set house or a single town on a map. It was wherever the people who loved you were together. Not a place, but a moment. 
and then another, building on each other like bricks to create a solid shelter that you take with you for your entire life, wherever you may go. I felt home being experienced in different ways throughout your books, much like your writing for different moments throughout your books. Cece, I found it really beautiful that you have... <laughs> Sorry. Now we're going to sing. Now we're yeah. going to sing. <laughs> Cece, I really like... No. Um, <laughs> Cece, I found it beautiful that we find home in Smell My Foot about... But hold on. Wait for it. Piano music, please come. Start it again. But in the way that we see one another, in the way that we make space for one another, and the way that we may criticize and pick at each other, but that it's that relationship that defines our, our, where we belong. Would you say you that's made fair? such a stretch, Matthew. <laughs> I don't think right. I'm, I'm giving you a I got time. another, I got a minor quote after I said that. <laughs> no. Um, well, there, there is a home in the book. It's well, Bob's house, you know, the dog house. Right. You go literal. I'll go <laughs> figure it. It's fine. But, um, I mean, I think almost all of my books, I mean, I, as, as you can probably tell, I'm passing this little microphone thing around. Um, conversations are really tricky for me, and so I pay attention to conversations, and I, I pay a lot of attention to people's facial expressions because it helps me figure out what they're saying. And so, and I like, I think I keep going back to this graphic novel format because of conversations. Yeah. And it's all about conversations and trying to figure out um, etiquette. And I make a lot of mistakes, like, um, well, we don't need to go there, but, um, <laughs> um, but just, just all awkwardness in conversations is my specialty. And so, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily home, but conversations are home. You know, listening yeah. to your mom and dad talk and, or fight and trying to navigate that and figure it out. Um, and when I feel most at home is in a situation where um, I understand everybody or one-on-one -on -one and that's, that's home when you have a relationship with somebody like that. So I've made a bit of a stretch too, but um, I do know what you're But it's saying. there. And, and perhaps it's, it's just the, the yeah. way that you write. I certainly have read a lot of books that just felt like they're here to entertain and then we're done. Yeah. But to... To, to make it have a moment where you're seeing the readers, yeah. whether it's a silly, awkward situation or not, it's still something that reminds us, I'm here, and there's space for me here. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I imagine sense. all of my yeah. students, as we read this book, that have, have struggled with not being heard or not being understood. Not being understood, um, right, yeah. And how frustrating that is. My four-year-old, we talked about um, Julia, that my eight-year-old gives her a hard time because her language is developing, and, and he loves to tell her that she's not saying things correctly. Right, and right. boy, right. does she get frustrated at that. Yeah. But that's, that's yeah. conversations. It's right. yeah, sort of like a sibling, almost like a sibling yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't attempted to eat her yet, but that might be in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Kate, I mean, there's such an obvious, but I, I feel that it might even be, your books feel like they're an expression of home, of, of finding home over and over. That, again, that might yeah. be what I'm reading into it. It might be the, uh, what I bring to the table when I read your books. But um, in this case, Beverly's literally looking for home. Um, and I think that that search 
and then knowing that uh, perhaps you as well, audience, have gone through it. Um, when you set out to find yourself and you realize you've sort of been there all along, you've been carrying yourself all along. I was saying to you before we were recording that one of the things I really valued was that despite Beverly and Louisiana being with Raimi in the first story, that they also had a story to tell and, and that you've always taken care of all of your characters um, to preserve their importance and their significance in the story, that they're not uh, tertiary characters, that, that they have value as well. well yeah. So I, in, in listening to, again, I'm taking all my cues from Cece and her answers and then modifying them and making them my own. Um, so it's, it is so much, it's home is being seen, I think. And, um, and that comes up in this book. Um, but somebody well and truly seeing you and then um, you can kind of put your burden down. And there, there's all that, um, all the studies about how a kid who might not be in a safe environment anywhere uh, at home, but if, if there's one adult outside of the family who sees them clearly, they will be okay, it's enough. And so that's kind of, there's always that in my books too, is somebody outside of the family seeing the kid. So, and I'm not gonna sing. Yeah, no. I wonder so. if it'll pick up on the mics. It's, it's entertaining. <laughs> Shannon, I, when I come to you, and when I think about your comics, when I think about Princess in Black, um, I see drawing people in. Seeing your friends and how you fit into that dynamic, but also contributing to that dynamic, that you, that you have a, a real place um, and a real value, and so does everyone else. Um, I'm not sure where that expression comes from. Um, whether you're expressing childhood or just expressing who, who you are, right? But um, it's something that I value about that, and that I'm grateful that as our readers read these, that they're seeing an opportunity to invite others in as well. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, I have a lot of sympathy for, like for example, in Real Friends, mm. there's some bullying. And I hear a lot of the, the term mean girls applied to the kids in that. I have so much sympathy for the mean girls. I mean, they're kids, kids. and they're trying to figure life out too. And it's hard. I think, I think what I keep coming back to a lot of my work is, it's hard to be a kid. And even in Princess in Black, so we, um, never say this, but we conceive of the way we write the monsters in Princess in Black is not as the bad guys, but we think of them as toddlers, as the readers, <laughs> little brothers and sisters. And it's hard to be a toddler. And no, they cannot eat the goats. <laughs> but they still, they don't fit in. And there's a re repeated line in this book, the monster wants to fit oh. in, and it keeps going into different yeah. containers to try to fit in and they help the monster get to Monsterland where it can fit in, where it can freely eat anything it wants and have friends. And, and what a relief it is to be a toddler and not be in an airport anymore, but be in a place where you don't have to be continually told to hold still and stop chewing on the seat and be quiet, <laughs> and they can just be themselves. And I think I just, I feel for kids. How often in, there's so many places in the world where they're not at home because they're confined or told what they're doing is wrong. And you want to give them a place where they can fit in and just, ah, 
be their monster selves. Monster selves. <laughs> <laughs> you cracked CC up on that one. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> um, as we round out our time together, those of you familiar with the podcast, I, I always like to close centering on my students, on our children. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you that question as well. Um, and it's a chance for us to have a message that we can take back to your libraries, to your schools, to your families. Cece, I'll begin with you, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? A message to the small children? To the children, to the students, to the readers. Uh, your feet smell great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ashamed. Um, well, you know, but I will come back to that. Um, yeah, um, I mean, this is definitely a theme of Aldefo and something I have to remind myself of all the time is don't be ashamed of who you are. Oh. I mean, it's just, but it's really hard sometimes. It's really, really hard. You're constantly, and probably with, I'm so glad we did not grow up with social media. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, all that comparison. Comparison yeah. is the thief of the joy. The thief of joy. Yeah. The best line ever. And, you know, don't Who be ashamed. Who said that? Who said I, that? I've heard that quote before. Comparison is the thief of joy. Who I said it? I have it written joy. on my writing I desk. Know. I share it a lot, yeah. too. But it's a great line. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. And, you know, your feet really do smell good, and they smell great. Amen. <laughs> Kate, I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, th I thought we should have just ended with Cece there, you know. Um, I guess, you know, when I wrote, um, when I wrote Raimi, um, there's a moment um, uh, towards the end where Romy, Raimi does something that she never thought that she could do. She surprises herself. She surprised me and Raimi in many ways is myself as a child. And so it was, uh, it's that thing of they're thinking, I want them to know that they contain miraculous acts. They can write books. They can be much stronger than they think that they are. They can be much braver than they think they are. Um, I, and that's that's what I that's what I keep on discovering as I write stories. And that's what I would want them to know too. You you are capable of wondrous things. Yeah. Shannon, I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I think it was Teddy Roosevelt who said comparison is the thief of joy. A, I thought it was a Roosevelt. Just looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let him know. Oh, nice. And before that, apparently the Bible. Oh, it's a book. What to tell children. Ah, I actually struggle with that because I feel like anything, any helpful words of wisdom I ever say to children are like, thrown out as boring. So I would just say, um, tell them a story. And they'll get what they need out of it. Yeah. But I think you probably already do that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Can we have a round of applause for Shannon Hale, Katie Camillo, and Cece Bell? And Matthew. This is Darsh Nakiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet.
The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.